Welcome back to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law and a lot of things in between. Today, we are going to focus on the law and a little bit of politics. I'm your host, Loyal Law School Professor Jessica Levinson, and we are joined by the show's regular co-host, Joe Armstrong. And today, we are going to talk about the confirmation hearings of Judge Barrett to become Justice Barrett on the United States Supreme Court. Joe, welcome. Hi, Jessica. How are you doing today? Well, it's it's a day in 2020, and we're leading up to the election. So, and we have Senate confirmation hearings for a Supreme Court justice while we're actually in the election. So, how am I doing? I feel like I'm in a topsy turvy, crazy, funhouse kind of world. How are you? I am well under the circumstances. I feel like I say the plot thickens a lot because the plot has been continuing to thicken throughout the course of this election season with bananas presidential debates, with uh, insect-laden vice presidential debates, with, uh, as you said, now we have a Supreme Court justice hearing taking place, all under the auspices of a pandemic. So if the plot's going to thicken at this point, we are cement and we are almost fully hardened. So tell me what happened this week. I know the Senate has been interviewing uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett all week. How has this been going? Well, you know, it really depends on what your end goal is. If you support Judge Amy Coney Barrett becoming Justice Barrett, then it's going pretty well because she's essentially uh, answered no questions. She's not committed herself to any positions. She really hasn't told us much about her. And I'm going to put a pin in that because actually failing to answer does speak volumes when it comes to some of these issues. If you don't support Judge Barrett, if you think she's too conservative, this has been an enormously frustrating few days because, of course, this isn't unique to these Senate confirmation hearings. But what do you feel? A couple of things. One, the hearing shouldn't be happening for reasons that you and I have talked about. There was a vacancy held open for nine and a half months when President Obama nominated Merrick Garland. In two... Judge Barrett is a very, very conservative jurist. There's really just no two ways about it. And so these hearings have been kind of an exercise in frustration. Take, for example, you know, everybody thinks when they think about the Supreme Court of reproductive rights. Well, here we know that President Trump has said he's only appointing pro-life justices. We know that Judge Barrett has signed on to letters before she was Judge Barrett criticizing Roe v. Wade. She walks into the Senate confirmation hearings and essentially says, I can't give you any indication. I can't give you a wink. I can't give you a nod. I can't give you a thumbs up. I'm not giving you anything at all. Just one example of how we really didn't learn much at all, again, except for this caveat that not answering some basic questions is actually really interesting. So how is this confirmation or how have these confirmation hearings been any different from other justices? I've watched this process play out before and I've noticed other justices, you know, demurring on certain questions like, oh, I'm I'm not going to answer that, you know, taking the fifth essentially. And as compared to other justices, how is this one different or is it different? You know, it's totally different and absolutely the same, which I know is like such an annoying answer, but it's absolutely the same in the sense that Since President Ronald Reagan nominated a man named Robert Bork, who went into the Senate confirmation hearings, answered things honestly, at that point was pretty far outside of normal conservative legal thought and just scared everyone with his normal answers. Since then, the name of the game has really been, you know, person A, I know you have had legal policy and political 
positions your entire life. But when you go into that Senate confirmation chamber, when you go into those hearings, pretend that you really are a complete blank slate, that you have an open mind with respect to everything. But what's different, so that's what's the same, which is Judge Barrett saying over and over again a version of, I'm not going to answer that. What's different, of course, is the timing that, again, we're in an election. What's different is that, frankly, it's just not quite as much fun. So think about Chief Justice John Roberts, who was a master at not answering, but did it in, frankly, a really kind of charming way. Same thing with Justice Kagan. She didn't answer all that much, but she did it with a lot of humor. At least it was it was interesting to watch. This has been a pretty humorless confirmation hearings, frankly. And as I mentioned, what else is different is that we did have judges who would at least kind of give an answer on some basic like law school 101 questions. So for instance, Judge Barrett didn't really commit when she was asked about whether or not the president could unilaterally change the date of the election or if he should commit to a peaceful transfer of power. She didn't commit on some pretty basic questions. And that also, you saw judges in the past at least acknowledge, okay, yes, this is a fundamental right, or this is a right that is subject to something called strict scrutiny. But Judge Barrett really, you know, in my mind, by failing to even talk about how fundamental the right to vote is, by really not saying much at all about the need to protect voting rights, particularly now, that silence is, again, the silence just really speaks volumes. Yeah, I've seen a lot of gnashing of teeth on the socials. There's that phrase that you like so much. Uh, people saying <laughs> she's not she's, she's not answering any questions. Uh, the senators, you know, the people questioning her are showboating. This is political theater. And this is an opportunity for me to remind everyone that po- theater is an essential element of politics, right? These are performances a lot of times. And Sometimes these performances sway people one way or another, not the people in the room necessarily, but in the court of public opinion, these performances sometimes matter. So we've talked about kind of what we didn't learn in her kind of blank slate uh, delivery there. But have we learned anything concrete throughout this process this week? No, I mean, I think we've really just learned her various phrases for not answering questions. Um, It's Interesting what she did bother to answer at all, for instance, saying things like, I'm not hostile to the Affordable Care Act. Um, Her phrasing in that was interesting. We also learned that she really wasn't going to say anything that was diametrically opposed to President Trump, who nominated her. You know, she didn't go in there and say, look, of course, the right to vote is fundamental. Of course, the president could never change the date of the election unilaterally. Let's just agree on some basics here, which, of course, those basics would go against some of the views of the president of the United States. I didn't hear that from her because, you know, of course, she's in a difficult situation. President Trump has said, here's your job. And, um, We've just seen this in so many areas where members of his administration or people he's nominated have kind of, I think, made a deal with themselves that they're just going to keep quiet for a while and not ruffle any feathers. You know, one of the interesting things that, Joe, you and I have talked about offline is all the questioning about whether or not she should recuse herself if there's an election case, uh, election litigation 
uh, that comes before her if and when she's on the Supreme Court. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I hope that doesn't come around sooner rather than later. Uh, the other thing that I keep going back to is, you know, her presenting this kind of blank slate situation. You know, uh, Judge Barrett, please state your name. Declined to state. Right. <laughs> it was close to that. And we probably should say, of course, with respect to the recusal, that Judge Barrett did not agree to recuse herself. As you know, I'm really mixed on this issue. On the one hand, I feel like if she agrees to recuse herself and does, it's kind of acknowledgement that we can't trust her to do her job, which is apply facts to the law. And the idea behind a lifetime appointment is that she is separate from politics. And I also think there are things that she probably cares a lot more about than President Trump winning, for instance, probably like religious freedom, reproductive rights. So I'm not sure that it makes sense to push her on this. On the other hand, there are judicial canons, there are codes of ethics that are not mandatory on the Supreme Court, but they are kind of recommended that the Supreme Court follow them that says even the appearance of impropriety is something that judges should avoid. And one can, of course, imagine that it very much looks like President Trump saying, Judge Barrett, here's your job. And then a few weeks later, she says, and President Trump, here's your job. And that could really be terrible for the integrity of the court. So, you know, she demurred on that. I suspect that she will not recuse herself. You know, what's the typical recusal? Something like Justice Elena Kagan, who came to the Supreme Court after being Solicitor General, working on cases that later came before her as a justice. And she very rightly said, I can't be part of these decisions. All right. So we learned everything and we learned nothing all at the same (laughs) time. Procedurally. learned a lot. But yes, yeah. watching the hearings, we learned everything and absolutely nothing. Yeah, exactly. We are right back where we started. So procedurally speaking, what happens next? I know there was some movement in the Senate Judiciary Committee today. Tell us what that means for those lay persons among us. Well, the Judiciary Committee is going to vote and then the full set. I mean, the punchline here is the Judiciary Committee is going to vote and then the full Senate will vote and Republicans have the votes. And there's nothing that happened in these confirmation hearings that was so catastrophic for Judge Barrett that she will not be confirmed. Democrats really, their only card they have left to play is just delaying this, I believe, until October 29th. But they can't really delay it past then. You know, I I don't think anybody here is hoping that senators become sick, but the only option to delay this vote further would be if the senators just can't get a quorum. And, you know, again, I don't foresee any of this happening. Uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, the leader of the Senate, a Republican, is just a master when it comes to Senate procedures. This is such a brass ring for him. I mean, he really wants this and meaning the confirmation of Judge Barrett. And uh, I I think that as listeners heard me say, unfortunately, I think the night that uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away when you and I taped an episode, there will be a new justice by Halloween. I suspect it will be 48 hours before Halloween, but that will be the timeline. And as a recall, you uh, put your money on Judge Amy Coney Barrett at that time. So whether you wanted to be right or wanted to be wrong, here we are, which is a phrase that keeps coming up in 2020 over and over and over again. Now, I know there was a situation once upon a time in one of the states, forgive me, I think it may have been Texas, 
when a bunch of the senators or, you know, state lawmakers basically <laughs> went underground. They went into hiding to try to prevent a particular law or a particular thing from happening. Uh, is that some kind of play the, the uh, Democratic senators have this time around on a grander scale or no? I don't think so. Um, I do remember that. I don't think so. And I think that you know, it's interesting to see how Senate Democrats have played this. They spent a lot of time talking about the Affordable Care Act because it's going to come before the court in early November. And it's very popular with the American public. But in doing that, they did, to a certain extent, you know, they played a maybe smart political game, but they obscured all of the other really important areas that Judge Barrett as she becomes Justice Barrett, will weigh in on. And so it was an interesting calculation to see the Democrats focus a lot of their time on the Affordable Care Act, not maybe as much time on other issues. And then, of course, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who's the senior Democrat on the Judicial Committee, really came under some fire by not being particularly aggressive in these hearings. She ended the hearings by thanking Republican Senator Lindsey Graham, giving him a hug. And at this point, I think that there are a lot of progressives and even some people who are just left of center who are very frustrated with Senator Dianne Feinstein. Now, Senate Democrats were in a strange place because they really don't have that many moves left on the dance floor. But I think a lot of people look at what Senator Feinstein did in these committee hearings and feel like it wasn't enough, it wasn't aggressive enough, and, you know, compare her performance to that of the person who wants to be the next vice president, Senator Harris, who was much more aggressive. Yeah, and one has to wonder, you know, how much of this is just a bit of show so they that the Democrats can go down saying, look, we went down fighting. Like, we knew we were going down, which they're not going to say out loud, but everybody sees the writing on the wall in terms of justice, uh, soon-to-be Justice Amy Coney Barrett. So, I mean, do you think that's part of this, too, just so that they're kind of giving lip service to their constituents? Or is this just political theater? Or what's the deal? Can I say all of the above? Absolutely. It's politics. It's a circus. It's a sideshow. I mean... We can't emphasize this enough. Having these hearings during the election truly is surreal. And so, of course, there's a lot of politics always when it comes to these hearings, but particularly now when I think both sides feel like they're in the political fight of their life. So what do we expect? We expect Judge Barrett to become Justice Barrett. I just want to, again, remind people, Joe, you and I already talked about this. We have a separate episode on how do we think a Justice Barrett would affect American law society. A couple of areas to think about, of course, reproductive rights, religious rights, freedom from discrimination, uh, the rights of the government to impose environmental regulations, criminal justice rights, voting rights, freedom of speech. So many really important issues are going to come before the court, and she will have likely a very big say in those. So uh, we know there's been a lot of talk about packing the court. Joe, what's your opinion of that? Oh, my, oh, my. You're going to put me on the spot with that. You know, I we've had conversations, you know, offline about this. I'm I have mixed feelings about this. I know that when we talk about it, it's one of those situations. You said things like this, and I tend to agree. 
at this point, you know, we have a Republican in the White House. We have a Republican-controlled Senate. Say the Democrats take over the Senate, they boost the number of justices to 13. Then we wind up in or, or whatever uneven number. Then we wind up with a Cold War-esque mutually assured destruction program of whichever, you know, Senate, whoever has control of the Senate. I mean, it's not a crazy thing to think about watching the last, you know, four years, especially the last 12 months and especially the last seven months roll past our lives here that, I mean, are we going to wind up with 27 justices? Are we going to wind up with 35 justices? Are we going to have a situation, say they increase it and then something flips back the other way and then a Republican administration can put seat eight justices at once? I mean, where does it stop, right? But then on the other hand, I also think that when you're looking at rules like these, these are rules that can change. These are rules that have changed before. And if I were a Democratic operative, if I were a Democratic lawmaker looking at this, what is a six to three majority is fairly bulletproof. And given how that can affect our society and our government and our laws for decades to come, it's a very tempting argument to make that dropping a few more justices on that court might be a good play. So I, I don't know. Ask me again. Uh, I was going to say, like, give me a night at the pub with my buddies to, like, chew the fat and talk it out. Maybe you can come back. But I actually can't go to the pub right now. So maybe uh, circle back with me. Circle back with me after uh, the election. We'll see what we have to say about this. Yeah, very fair. I completely understand why it's this incredibly compelling short-term solution. But long-term, of course, as you say, you could have many more justices. And therefore, when there's a Republican president a lot more vacancies. So it's not necessarily a long-term fix. The better fix, things that we talked about in our episode with Dean Irwin Shimerinsky, very long term limits that are rotating. So every president gets a few nominations, one to two. That takes a constitutional change. Therefore, it's unlikely to happen. But it was fun to talk about it. Okay, Jessica, one last thing to take into consideration, because we, as you have said many times today and other days, we are in the midst of a heated presidential election. We People are voting as we speak. People are voting tomorrow, yesterday, dropping off ballots all across the country. Big, big numbers I've seen so far with early voting, uh, <laughs> despite crazy uh, false mail-in boxes and you know, false drop-off boxes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But one thing I want to bring to light is the fact that the Democratic candidate, former Vice President Joe Biden, has been fairly coy about saying whether or not he would pack the court, because that has to come through his office. The president appoints these potential justices, and then they get confirmed with the consent of the Senate. So there have been times when Joe said, you know, like during the, the presidential debate, the one debate we've had to date, that he, he kind of avoided the question. He didn't commit one way or another. There have been other interviews I've read where he said that he is not a fan of that. He is not in favor of packing the court with Democratic, you know, or, you know more liberal-leaning justices. But is he muddying the water? Is he hedging his bets to wait to see how the election plays out? What are your thoughts on that from your perspective? Yeah, I think Joe Biden, it's probably smart politics at this point because he's ahead and he knows that any answer is going to anger more people than a non-answer. And I think his answer probably is that he's not in favor of doing this because he's more of an incrementalist. He has a long-term view and he doesn't want to, again, upset some of his potential voters. But it would be wonderful just as a voter to know both for president, excuse me, Three, two, one. It would be wonderful just as a voter to know both with respect to Vice President Biden and Senator Kamala Harris what their real view is. It's a very important topic. But of course, they um, 
have their eyes on the votes. We understand why. And so we don't get an answer right now. I'm not actually sure that we'll get an answer at all short term. Oh, boy. And I know that we will all find out soon enough. Joe, it's always fun to talk to you about these important issues. We are in the election. Listeners, thank you for being with us. We're going to continue to keep you up to date and talk about the newsy issues of the week and the long-term, bigger political and legal issues that are facing us. We love your support. You can find Joe on social media, on the socials, as he says, at In-Depth Day, me at Levinson Jessica on Twitter, the show at Pass Judgment Pod, on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. We also have a website, Passing Judgment Pod. Joe, thank you so much. Listeners, we will see you next time.